are now listening to the Frank Hall Adventures. Five. Four. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. We are down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and this is the Frank Hall Adventures. Today, we are joined with a yoga instructor who has been traveling the world as a teacher and a student, and her name is Stevie Goggins. Welcome to the show, Stevie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I, I read a little bit about your story, and it sounds extremely awesome. I think... Um, one of the biggest things we're lacking in the world now is free thinkers and spiritual healers and just selfless people that uh, like yourself. So I, I want to get into it first and talk about what led you to yoga, what led you to me meditation. Yeah, so I was about 21. And, um, you know, what really led me is, is I had a previous um, problem with drugs and alcohol, um, a serious addiction that started... I mean, I started drinking and everything when I was 15 and then, um, it became really problematic by the time I was 17. And so by the time I was 21, um, things had just progressed and progressed. And, and, um, I was going through a little bit of, of what I like to call a dry spell where I was, um, I had gotten myself off of drugs and alcohol, but I didn't really know what to do with myself. Um, you know, I still had all the problems. It oh, was yeah. just like my solution of alcohol and drugs was gone. And so, um, I just sought out this yoga class in Polly's Island where I'm from and um, it was like me and a bunch of it was actually like four old women and me and, and the teacher and but I took the class and I just I guess I didn't know exactly what I was looking for um, but I wanted some kind of peace I wanted to feel better yeah physically you know I wasn't doing anything with my body physically at the time and so I took this class and um, and really it was kind of a one, it just like opened all the doors. And, and after that very first class, I was hooked. And, um, I know a lot of people have different experiences with their first yoga class, but mine was really good. And, um, and I just kept seeking that feeling and I just felt really comfortable finally in my own skin, you know, even though it was, it was brief. Yeah. And that, that's a nice feeling I can imagine because I mean, for me as a, a young person, I was raised as a Catholic, but uh, once I got into high school and even later into my college years, I, I just felt like something wasn't connecting with me and, and I was seeking something. I, and like you said, like I didn't know what it was, but at the same time, I, I still wanted it. I wanted to find whatever that was. And I had this uh, similar growing up. Uh, I started drinking when I was 15 years old and it was the same thing. And I think uh, I was drinking to fill that void in some cases, I was trying to attain higher states of consciousness through alcohol, and and it wasn't really doing that. And I found yoga when I was younger too, but I was never I never stayed consistent with it. So all those all the benefits that I was able to reap, um, they would they wouldn't really get to that next level because I was limiting myself through the alcohol. Did you find right. that with yourself at all? Yeah, totally. Um, so I started when I was twenty one, and I got. Um, pretty into it for a, a couple of years. However, after uh, about a year, I started drinking again and partying again and um, was still smoking cigarettes, was still, you know, just still had all of these addictions. And, and I remember um, I was 
in actually in my yoga training and I was still drinking and, and I would go home at night and I would read all of these spiritual texts and I loved them and they, and they spoke to me and that was another form of yoga was, um, was the sadhana, the self-practice of like reading all this stuff. And it spoke to me, but I was like, in one hand, I had the spiritual books and the other hand, I had a glass of wine or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, I know. And you, you know, it was like a, a ceiling and, um, and because I think I was, I was almost using yoga as a spiritual bypass. You know, I didn't know that at the time, but looking back. And so it was like, instead of actually looking at the deeper issues and, and, you know, taking inventory and cleaning house and things like that of, of, um, just negative thinking and behaviors and not looking at all of that. I couldn't reach any kind of higher state because it was still all there. Yeah. And, and I think it's important. I, I talk a lot about, um, building solid foundations and for, for a while for, in my, my own experiences, I was trying to get to the next place and, and, trying to build on something that was never solid because I never really eliminated my vices yet. Mm -hmm. So once I, I feel like before you could start rising to new heights, you have to really do that groundwork and get rid of whatever's bothering you internally and find out the reasons whether some, some people call that triggers. It, it really all depends on what you want to call it, but mm -hmm. you have to get rid of that garbage and that clutter inside of you before you can build that, uh, like lay that foundation and then start building upon it. Yeah. And I feel like it's, um, a lot of my teachers call it remembering, you know, as it's because for me often it was like going, going to the next place. And, um, this kind of running of like, let me use this to get out of myself and go somewhere else, you know, whether it was drugs, alcohol, yoga, you know, as a, as an escape. And instead, um, what I wanted to, what I, what I eventually ended up doing, which led me to where I am now was this remembering of kind of peeling back all the junk so that I could really remember like who I am, which I believe now is, is like a child of the universe or you yeah. know, a child of the most high or whatever you call that spirit. Um, but I had forgotten along the way, like, you know, because of all the stuff covering over the heart and yeah. And, spirit. and going even where growing up you're socially conditioned in many ways and you're taught things that you don't necessarily believe yourself but you you might not even think about it and then you wake up one day and you're like who who is this person that i, I am now and mm -hmm. why did i end up like this so uh, have you ever read the book the artist's way by julia cameron <laughs> i have that book on my shelf oh, actually yeah? i wow. need to read okay. it <laughs> yeah definitely take a look at it because it's it's an amazing read and it talks about the uh like rediscovering your inner child and uh, it's big on routines, and there's it's a cool workshop on, uh, and yeah, very fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. But it, it is that peeling back of mm -hmm. what we were before we were conditioned to be what we are now. And um, in my in my book, uh, the Slaying Your Weekend Warrior, I talk about developing a code of honor, which is really just your set of principles, your set of of values and virtue, and how you want to conduct your life, who you who you admire and you take traits from different types of people that you want to be and then you start applying it and practicing it in your daily life until you become the person that you want to be mm. so that that was kind of my my strategy for that but I think we like people in general a lot of times lack being grounded in in virtue and sometimes they're just very quick to react to things and they don't really put any kind of I guess effort into themselves which 
is it's, it's so important because you can, how can you better the world around you if you can't control your own actions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people just grow up in this society and think, like you said, this is the way it is. You know, we don't question what we were taught. We don't question where we come from. And I was, I taught a yoga class this morning and I was reading this quote um, by, I can never say her name right, but Ian, Ivanya Van Zant, she's a author. And um, she was saying that, you know, you have to decide what it is that you want to believe And so, and like, who decides this? It's like, we do, you know, nobody else can decide it for us unless we let them. And she was um, saying in the quote that you have to choose what you want to believe and you have to make a choice because if you're not making choices, then you're living by default. And for me, living by default is, is like getting drunk. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically like just completely living unconsciously Mm -hmm. and, and basing, you know, or this idea of the victim mentality of like every everything's happening to me instead of like I control, you know, I can control, um, my reality, by my thoughts and and by what I'm choosing to believe. 100%. And now, um, what led you to finally saying enough is enough with the alcohol and drugs and how did you, did you get involved in, in getting sober? Yeah. So I, like I said, I, I, I went, um, in and out of, of getting sober and, and falling back off and, and a lot of relapses. And by the age of 24, I was living in a tent <laughs> in my friend's front yard. Um, I was in a relationship with another, I would call alcoholic, um, and it, it was a very toxic relationship and we were living in this tent together. Yeah. And, um, you know, my family had cut me off. I had lost contact with the people that I cared about. Um, and you know, I just actually, I, this person I was in a relationship with, um, brought mushrooms home one day. And so I had mushrooms and, um, had a little trip. And, um, I think that it was that, I mean, I don't want to say it was only that there was a lot of things leading up to it. It was a bottom, you know, I was, I was so tired of just the way I felt. I just felt empty. And like I said, I was still doing yoga, but it wasn't working for me anymore because I would go home and get wasted. And, um, so I had this psychedelic experience and, um, I, I was just laying there and I was, it it just, for me, um, the mushrooms kind of like a, like plant medicine allows you to really see your shadows and it's not for everyone not like promoting it but it does allow you to really see your shadows and so if you're not looking at something it will force you to look at it and so it was like everything that I was doing that was causing me so much pain and shame and guilt was just brought up in my face that night and um like a week later I was just like I am so tired of this and um and, then I just, and you just were ready at that point. I was point. just ready, yeah. yeah. And it, it's hard to explain it. I like to call it grace, you know. Um, you can call it an awakening. I don't, but it was just this, the gift of desperation, you know, yeah. and of just being so ready. And, like, nothing was going to hold me back anymore from um, getting sober. So Yeah, it's funny because I look at my, my awakening as some people call it moments of clarity, but for me, it was almost like the, I can't take this shit anymore mm-hmm, moment. And it was yeah. really just problem after problem. And there were, there were great times in the mix, but at the end of the day, it was total misery. And when you had 
like you said, have to come home and face those problems. And and really, if you answer if you answer it honestly, you know what the cause of your problems are. And for me, it was alcohol. That was a limiting vice for years and years. And one day, it was just like, okay, enough is enough. And then I started exploring all of the things that I always wanted to explore. And I started getting into meditation in in a routine, in a way where I can consistently do it. And I started to practice my hobbies to the point where they were getting like I was getting some a lot more results than I usually would if I was being inconsistent and falling back into vices on the weekends it was just constant growth and that was what was really awesome about that whole experience for me yeah same um you know like I said we were talking earlier and um once I I came to the realization that I really wanted to get sober I got involved with a 12-step program Um, and that's really worked well for me and, um, of like the cleaning house and, and, you know, it really made me kind of go through these 12 steps and look, look at my part and everything and look at, um, these behaviors and, and these thought patterns that had just led me to drink or let, you know, just these old beliefs. And, um, from there, you know, I, I guess it was like, once I took away the drugs and alcohol, I wanted to find a new solution of how to, to, to feel better that actually worked, you know, that wasn't just brief and then led me to all this other shame and guilt, but Mm -hmm. it was like actually worked. So I dove right back into the yoga, um, but like full on and, and really knew that this, this practice was fruitful. You know, I had had glimpses of it and knew that it, it wasn't a practice in vain, like that there was this, you know, people have been doing it for thousands of years. Like what, you know, if everybody, all these people are doing it, it must work. So I too, um, developed a daily meditation practice and, um, and that's something that's such a staple that I have to do every day. Um, I'm not perfect. So there are days where I just miss it, um, or, you know, hit the snooze, but I notice a big difference when I don't get up and actually take the time to, to make that connection. I totally agree. The benefits to yoga and meditation are immense. And I noticed in my own life, um, I wrestled for like 15 years and, and that was wearing on me. I did manual labor for many years and I lifted weights for a while, but um, I just felt my body becoming like more and more tense. And I, even when I was drinking at the time, I was 25 years old and just felt like a broken down old man. And I'm like, I'm 25. I should be in like the peak of my physical my, my physicality and I should be you know a happy person because nothing's really wrong externally but my internal and my like it was just a really bad bad feeling so um I I had found yoga and like you talked about the glimpse into it you you could see and even those like short times where you do it a few times it's um the, the benefits are there and you can feel yourself getting getting stronger and more agile and on all that just in the in the physical standpoint but then all of that like the or savasana I, I believe it's called at the end of the practice like those those moments where you can actually calm your mind and and it's 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 fascinating stuff and it's real like if you open yourself up to it it uh you you can receive many of those benefits so there's definitely something to it yeah i think when i first started um yoga at 21 I had in my mind that um, I had these like really beautiful girls in my mind that were wearing the yoga pants and had like the really nice bodies and 
Um, and that's kind of what I imagined yoga would do for me was like, give me a great body (laughs) and like, I'd be beautiful. And, um, I really, like I said, the first class, it was a bunch of old women and I was like, what's going on? And, uh, (laughs) is this, is this the right class? But, uh, but what's, what made me keep coming back for it? Like if it was only physical for me, I wouldn't have stuck with it. Cause I've, I've done Muay Thai. I've, you know, I've done, a, a, I've gone to the gym and mm-hmm. for me that it's never stuck, but because of the, the physical, the mental, the emotional balance that I get from the practice of, of yoga, I think coupled with meditation, um, it's just, it's a lifelong practice now and it's all, it's a necessity. Yeah. That's amazing. And now you've been able to use your, your teaching and, and, and carry that forward into like other parts of the world. You've been able to go and travel now. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are some places that you've got to go? So I, when I got sober, I basically just turned on like the yes side of me. Like I was just like, I'm going to say yes to everything. And like that movie, yes, man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so cheesy, but it's so <laughs> true. Like I was just like, I, I have all these, um, I just felt like I had missed out on a lot because of all those years you know, drinking and I never had any aspirations, never wanted to do anything. And so when I got sober, I was like, I just want to go and see the world. So the first place I went like big time was, um, Bali was that first. Yeah. And, um, I got a job teaching at a silent retreat center there as a yoga instructor. So I was there for two months and, um, man, it just completely that, that side of the world is just, it's, it's so different than anything I'd ever experienced before the culture, the, you know, they're Hindu in Bali. And so there was chanting going on all day and incense burning everywhere and all these statues of deities. And it's just, you go in and you're like, like I just kept saying, I'm having my eat, pray, love moment. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to be riding a bicycle. It's... Like what it's, what's her name? Julia Roberts. But, um, yeah, so that opened my eyes and I just met some really beautiful people from all over the world. Um, that we're doing, we're on similar paths and, and young people, you know, that really wanted to live this, this life of, of being awake and being turned on to life. And, you know, I met a guy who, um, has his, he does a website called new earth cooking where he's really working with the land and, um, and trying to create a better environment than other yogis. And so, that was my first stop. And then I lived in Thailand for a year and, um, I taught English just to get me over there. And then I was in this little town where there was no yoga. So I decided to start teaching there and it was me and mostly Thai women. And I, I could not speak Thai. <laughs> I was like, I could speak a couple of things. It's really hard. So I would just have to demonstrate all the poses for them. And they were just so grateful. And when we would go into Shavasana, the final, it's the corpse pose at the end of practice where everybody just lays down and relaxes. They just really embraced it. Like here, I notice a lot of the American women or even men get like twitchy, you know, in Shavasana. We're not used to uh, having silence. I I notice a lot of people, it's like... Even even here, we like I don't have a TV, and people sometimes come in there like, well, "What's going on?" It's like, but it's like I, you have to be able to be comfortable in silence a lot of times, mm-hmm. and I notice that too. I, I I've seen uh, yeah people get uh, like they can't sit still in their own skin, mm-hmm. and that's a problem. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't have a TV either, so you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, but it's good to be able to do that and and, and be comfortable in, in the silence. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever had people falling asleep in, in Shavasana? Oh. I, I hear that a lot of times. We, one time I was there and some guys started snoring. Like oh, crazy. yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that happens funny. all the time. Actually, we did a this weekend, some friends and I who um, I met here, but they also, one of them's Australian and they travel the world too. We did a cacao and kirtan, which is like singing um, workshop. And we had a, a couple of people were just, when we called them back out, you know, after Shavasana, you come to sit back up and nobody was moving. And <laughs> people were just, yeah. I'm like, it's you hot. probably need it. If you're passed out that hard, you probably need oh, some yeah. rest. So. Must have gave them a hard workout or something. <laughs> yeah. All that cacao. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, after Thailand, did you... you? Uh, well, you... I so I've, I've come back and forth. So I have a... I work at a studio here in Market Commons Yoga in Common, and it's it's great. It's where I started teaching six years ago, and um, it's where I really started practicing. And so she's the owner is really gracious, and every time I come back into town, I work here. And so I kind of come and go. I went to Thailand, I went to Peru, and did some more studying, um, and then came back. and And then I started um, working with this group called Kula Collective. And they're a group from all over the world and they lead teacher trainings all over the world. And so I started working with them, co-facilitating teacher trainings. So the last one I did was in Bali. I went back to Bali and before that was Costa Rica and before that was Guatemala. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And you've been everywhere. That's yeah, awesome. That's, yeah. that's so fascinating. And it's amazing that you, you stepped outside of your comfort zone and then you were able to do all these things now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not f- too familiar with the 12 steps, but I, I believe one of them is uh, kind of you, breaking free from like toxic relationships or people that in your life. Is that one of them? Like people that... Yeah, well, there's the, the like the fourth step is taking a personal inventory. And, um, and so that's really looking at, it's really focused on looking at your own part and, and kind of excluding other people, um, taking them out of the equation. However in the ninth step, you make amends, you know, that's where you kind of go around and, and clean up, you know, any relationships that you've really damaged. However, yeah, I have learned in the rooms and just, um, through mentors outside of, of the 12 step program of, you know, you can love people from a distance and just because you don't want them in your life doesn't mean you don't still have love for them. But if, if, they're draining, you know, or like, you know, energy vampires. Yeah. They're just unconscious. They don't know what they're doing, but it's just draining you. So I have had to let go of a lot of relationships that have just kind of. Yeah, exactly. And the reason I brought that up is because you, you mentioned in, in Bali, you were meeting beautiful people that had similar ideas as you and more of like free thinking spirits and on the same path as you. So I think it, it it really, it, it does has to happen in a lot of times and it's it's nice that you say that you don't have to completely sever ties with people and you can keep them at a distance but if you real really want growth in your life you have to be able to only let people in that are going to help you grow and you can help grow together and mm-hmm. it's it's tough letting go of people that aren't ready to make those moves and in, in the right path but you it can be draining. And like you said, with energy vampires, that's, that's a real thing. <laughs> that's a real thing. And, and if these people are just not, if it's getting in, into your space now, I think it, it is necessary to, uh, you know, put, put some relationships on the shelf for a little bit or 
And and then you'll meet people that are are doing the things that you want to do and that are going to help. Yeah, one of the one of the like old sayings that I hear all the time is um, if you go into a barbershop enough times, you're going to get a haircut. And so it's like you kind of are the people you hang out with. And um, and so if you're if I feel like if I'm constantly surrounding myself with people who which I used to, you know, were like me and didn't have aspirations and didn't really care and and were really negative in their in their outlook on life then that's that's what what my brain was being trained to think you know and so I love I love the people in my life today and I'm I the more people I meet that are inspiring the more people I meet you know that are inspiring and so yeah I like surrounding myself with people that challenge me um that are constantly working on themselves so that that I I'm inspired to work on myself and and I just have a lot of creative people in my life and when I get back here at home you know it's not as I know I still have a lot of friends that I grew up with that haven't really gone anywhere and and that's their path and that's fine but they're like oh you travel the world and you do all these great things I'm like, there's a lot of people doing this. You know, once you get out there, there are a lot of people that are traveling the world like this. And, or they'll say, oh, I can't believe you go to these places alone. I'm like, I'm not. When I get to all of these places, I meet so many people from across the, you know, across the globe that, that are trying to live the same kind of. Yeah. And some people just don't know there. And that's another thing with social conditioning. There's certain. Some people will never do something because they're afraid of what's going to happen or afraid to even look into it. And the reality of it with traveling is it's it's not as scary a lot of the times as you, you think it is. And especially with technology these days. I was just in in Italy over the summer and you can just whip out your GPS and walk places that you wouldn't normally walk in a foreign country. But because you have this technology, like you can do it safely yeah. and there's like the Uber apps and, and all those things where you can, it's, it's pretty it's safe. Pretty safe. Yeah. It's pretty I think safe. about my dad did a Europe trip right after college. And back then they didn't have cell phones or, you know, they had to use maps to, to travel through Europe. I'm I can like, imagine. that's scary. That's like, tough. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I can literally plug in my maps in Indonesia and be like, where am I? Where am I going? So it's really, is really not that scary. And I, I've found that the more people, you know, overcome one, that first fear of traveling or that first fear of taking a yoga class or whatever it is, then that's all it takes to just really say, Oh, I can do this. You know, this isn't that bad. And, and, and then people want to just keep doing it. So yeah, but, but I don't, my thing is, is, um, I don't, I guess my fear is, is getting to an age where I look back, you know, and go like, did I live my life according to what other people wanted me to live? Or did I live my life for how I wanted to live it? And I think that's, that's, I'm going to answer to myself, you know, before I die. And so like, I want to be able to say, no, I did everything that I, I wanted to do, not what the world told me I should do. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of where I'm at now. And when you, you, uh, emailed me, um, like uh, the brief bio, you had a really good quote that you said, and I'm going to read that right now. You said that you believe our purpose here is to live in joy and we find real joy when we are connecting, helping and sharing with others. And that's a great quote for a teacher, (laughs) but also it, it means a a lot to me hearing that too, because it's my personal philosophy that we're here to 
better each other and we should always be helping each other on this podcast i've i've said the movement of selfless self-improvement mm. where we're bettering ourselves for the betterment of others not just for ourselves and with you going out and being a teacher and showing other people how to receive the benefits that you've received that's inspiring in itself thank so. you yeah yeah i th and, and that's really been um something that's that's really come into the forefront in the last year or so of you know, okay, I've been working on myself and this idea of I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing. Well, eventually, you know, I could go my whole life and say, well, I'm still healing, I'm still healing. And, and that's great. And eventually, like, I have to share it or I, ca I can't keep it, you know. And they say in, in 12 steps, like, um, you, what is it? You can't keep it if you don't give it away. And so I really feel like when I'm, the most happy is when I'm teaching a yoga class or I'm just sharing one-on-one -on -one with someone or just finding like true connection. And, and that's, that's what happened with traveling was like a lot of these places. I didn't speak the language. They, especially in Thailand, this place I was, they didn't speak English. And I, I would go to this stop. I had a motorbike and I would go and get gas every day or not every day but once a week and this woman didn't speak any English and and sh but she would talk to me in Thai like I understood her and she'd give me a hug and she'd pat me on the back <laughs> and point like you like I knew exactly what she was saying and I just nod and I felt like she was like my mother or grandmother and there was no verbal communication really happening but it was this language of the heart and and that would fill me up and so it's those moments like what are we seeking ultimately is connection connection to what like the divine ourselves each other and that's incredible yeah yeah now that's really it's really inspiring and we we are here to better each other we're here to to we're, we're walking this road with people and mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't serve a purpose to get angry when people do things uh to us that we don't like it's it's very difficult to kind of convey into words, but I guess it's more of taking a step back from situations when you're in. And if let's say you're in traffic and someone honks at you, it's easy to just get angry and start cursing them out. Uh, yeah. But if you just take a step back and look at it kind of like, okay, this is the situation I'm in and <laughs> it's not the end of the world. It's not that big of a deal. It's, mm -hmm. it can ha I, I mean, we got to lead by example. Right. Really. That's the main thing. Yeah. And just knowing that, um, you know, we get this, this mindset of like the other, you know, like when you're in traffic, especially not even acknowledging that the people, the other people in the cars are actually people, it's just traffic, you know? So yeah. I'm driving to work and I'm just like, there's so much traffic forgetting that like I'm in the traffic, I am the traffic and, and the people next to me in the traffic are actual people with, you know, their own stories and they're going somewhere and they have their own, you know, struggles and, it's really, I mean, it's, it sounds nice and it's a lot harder to put into practice to just be like, you know what? Okay. Maybe they're having a bad day. If somebody flicks you off or mm -hmm. beeps at you, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, buddy. And it, it's just a practice of remembering and, you know, nobody does it perfectly, but, um, a practice of, of remembering the heart of, of, of others. And that's why it's also good to have friends that are kind of living the same lifestyle because when I forget, they remind They me. remind you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's great. And, and that again goes back to having your own set of principles. And if you, it's, it is a practice and some people you could be talking to them and they'd be like, Oh, well, you're, you're just a nice person. You, you, it's like, no, it's not. I work on these things also. And I make mistakes all the time, mm -hmm. but I, 
also try to be conscious of the things that I do and, and every situation that I'm in, what's going on and how I could have done it better if I was in it. And, th and that type of practice helps you to do it right the next time mm -hmm. instead of just saying, well, I'm not this kind of person, so I'm not going to ever be that way. If you want to be something, it, it can happen no mm -hmm. matter what it is, even if it's just being more kind in your day. Or... Mm -hmm. It is. It's a practice. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, I think I do know people that, I'm like, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't have a mean bone in her body is what my mom always would say. <laughs> but, um, that's not me. Like I can, I can be very impatient and anxious and, and I feel like that's, that's part of why I do yoga, you know? And I'm, I'm like, you're welcome that I'm going to yoga because it is, it's like by going to yoga, I am a nicer person and, or by doing my morning meditation practice, I, I do tap into that remembering and then I can carry that into my day but it's yeah it's just an everyday okay we're up again like I'm blessed with another day like let's try this again kind of thing so yeah it's fascinating stuff yeah. uh is there any place that you see yourself going in the future well I really want to go to India so that I said um, I'm 30 I turned 30 in May and I always said by the time I'm 30, I'm going to be in India. And, um, so I would like to go there and do some more studying with mantra and, um, and just going to the holy places. I have some friends that are going to be there and I'm definitely going to Belize this summer oh, to do excellent. some more work. Yeah. So I'll be down in Central America and back kind of home to Guatemala. Guatemala is like home away from home. I love, I love it there. So yeah, I, I'm usually here for like half the year and then I I can only be here for a little bit. Yeah, oh, that's, <laughs> it's so cool that you're out on the road all the time. It's mm -hmm. really, it's got to be liberating in many ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's great. And it's great to come home too. I really love it here. And the more that I've, I used to say, uh, I, you know, Myrtle Beach, because I grew up here. Um, but the more that I see the rest of the world, I see coming back to the States and coming back to home, how blessed we really are and how, how good we have it here in the States and, um, in a lot of ways and, and just being around friends and family. So, yeah. And I've only been out on the road for a few weeks now promoting my book and Myrtle beach to me, it's, it's amazing. This market commons area is yeah, just to like sit in front of that Barnes and Nobles and that little <laughs> like area the fountain area yeah, it's it's area. it's so peaceful and mm -hmm. and these yoga studios i can't wait to take a class with you while i'm here mm -hmm. and yeah it's just it's a nice environment and then i'm sure when i do get back home to new york and and i see the, the places i like i left in many ways because i was sick of a lot of the routines that were over there taking the long island railroad to the city back and forth the crazy hustle and bustle mm -hmm. but uh there are a lot of beautiful things that that place has to offer as well so oh, definitely it's yeah, just uh yeah, but for now, I'm on that same, like, mm -hmm. let's travel a little bit and see what else is out there and find maybe a place where I want to end up, which, I don't know, I think maybe Boulder, Colorado might be the, <laughs> yeah, the next that step sounds, for me. That sounds but, like, yeah, I lived in, in, um, in Colorado for a little bit. Um, right before I moved to Thailand, I went to Vail for the winter, and Colorado is amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to get out. I'm a big hiker, so oh, I'll yeah. be exploring Estes Park and all the mountains out there mm -hmm. and seeing what, what, what's out there, really. You'll yeah. have a blast. <laughs> yeah. And there was one more thing I wanted to ask you about um, with meditation before we go. Um, you said now mantra, practicing mantra. Is that uh, just 
more or less affirmations or is that is there something i'm missing from that yeah um well mantra is is like man being mind and tra being a tool so it's a, it translates some somewhat to a tool for the mind so mantra in india is is usually sanskrit like the ancient language of the vedas and the um, sacred texts and so the repetition is is where the practice is so um, this morning in pre in my class I taught, we were just doing saha, saha, saha. And what happens is if it's a simple mantra, you, you allow your mind to just focus on the sound over and over and over again. Um, and, and your mind has a tool, something to focus on so that it's not focusing on something else like the negative or what you have to do today or things that just aren't allowing you to be present. And so there's that. And then also you know, in Sanskrit, the Sanskrit language is vibratory. So it's, it, um, I like my teacher says, we're all just vibrating molecules. And so when you bring a mantra in, you're kind of like, I like to believe that you're shaking up the vibration of your being and bringing in this higher vibration. And so allowing, you know, instead of focusing on the negative, you're filling your mind with this higher vibe. So yeah, that's cool. Cause I, in the mornings I, I usually like to start my day with positive affirmations of like, my core, uh, like what I want out of life. And that would be love, peace, clarity, wisdom, and strength. Mm -hmm. And I kind of recite that to myself for about 20 minutes in the morning nice. every day. And, and that w is kind of like my mantra. Yeah. And that works and, just as well. It's like filling your mind with those, those positive, because it is, it's a training. You have to train your mind to focus on those things like peace and clarity and uh, prosperity or love or whatever it is instead of, because our mind is programmed to just go to the negative, go to the yeah. negative. So we have to redirect it. <laughs> I know. I wish it was the other way around. But, uh, <laughs> I know. Why is it not? Like, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day, maybe yeah, in a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a practice and, uh, and that's really it. Is there anything you wanted to leave the listeners with at the end? Um, I would love to share Ram Dass's quote. So Ram Dass experimented with a lot of LSD and then went to India and found his guru. And um, he's beautiful. I'm sure a lot of you might have heard of him, but his quote is, we're all just walking each other home. And that's what I like to believe. Beautiful. That's just, I believe that 100%. <laughs> but thanks so much for coming out on Thank this podcast. You. And it was a blast. And I look forward to taking a class with you. And yeah. Maybe connecting more, all right? All right, so, take care. Thank take you. Take care. Thanks for listening.